All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of secret applications, lots of... You know, Alice, when I was your age. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm doing you doing? Doing. Yeah, barely doing. Barely. Uh-huh. So uh, here we are for another okay. Ask Me Anything episode of The Kung Fu Genius. Uh, I just got back from... I uh, say ass clip. No, I just got back like, from traveling uh, to Hungary. traveling. Yeah, so I was in Hungary teaching Wing Chun over okay. there, which is amazing. And, Hungary uh, out here is dope. It's beautiful over there. And the yeah. weather was really great. And I had Sifu Esther and Sifu uh, Milan, their like, husband mm -hmm. and wife couple that does Wing Chun out there in Zagat, and which is a university town. They've been teaching for many years. Um, this is like my second time teaching for them. So really great. Loved, had such a great time out there. And uh, it's good to be back. What did you teach them? Just give us the list. What did I teach? Well, I taught an instructor class uh -huh. uh, on the uh, last Friday. So um, handled Buji using the... Um, uh, using the actual buji to kind of uh, wipe the slate clean when you're in chiso sparring. So I did a little chiso sparring and then how to use the, the buji action to kind of get out of bad situations. That was more or less the instructor class. And then um, the student class the next day, we did a few topics. We did kind of basic Wing Chun fundamentals, forms, turning, steps, all that right. kind of stuff. But also did a little bit of... Um, anti-takedown training so we did some kind of like someone goes for a tackle and then goes for a single leg takedown like a little bit you know my single leg uh tackle progression we did that and did some cheese house that was really good and then on top of that i taught a bunch of private lessons as well so yeah it's really great i don't um i'm not one of these like a proselytizing wing chun sifus where i'm always teaching seminars to get more people to open schools <laughs> and stuff it's not really my thing um seminars i think should be supportive for students so like it should help them with the stuff they're learning in class and that's why I think open seminars are not really the thing that I like to do as much because uh, um, you know when it comes to Wing Chun you really want to build the student up step by step so you want to see that they're on a progression learning things yeah. getting better building on what they learned before and open seminars are difficult only because you, everyone just wants to come to learn some moves and so they're just they're not really learning the what you have to teach mm -hmm. in kind of a uh, from a conceptual standpoint. They just like want to take some moves and some drills and throw it into what they're doing. And that's fine. But that, that's not what really gets me excited because I don't know if I'm going to see those people again. Right. See if we can then build off of what we did last time. It's just kind of the buffet line of doing things. But um, it's different in Hungary because they're all WT practitioners. So they're from our lineage. Um, and, uh, so it's obviously these are people who are coming with, with a background in the same style that I teach. So I can kind of help them with, uh, you know, looking at things in a slightly different way. So yeah, it's a lot of fun cool. and, uh, flights not that bad. It's only nine hours when okay. you're used to flying 15 hours to Hong Kong and <laughs> yeah. nine hour flights, like, what is that? Uh, that's right. A breeze. That's a breeze. That's easy peasy. Right. Sheesh. Um, but yeah, no, I had a really, um, a really good time and, uh, look forward to going back. Um, this trip actually gave me the idea um, to, to start doing um, Wing Chun retreats. So I have Hello. my, yeah, so I have my ITC every year, which is my um, intensive training camp. We have it here in New yeah. York. It's the last month of June. Uh, it's already booked for this year. 
and uh, basically everyone can come to New York and they get uh, you know six hours a day, uh, Monday through Friday, and you know, four to five hours a day on the weekends. And we go into topics in detail, and I can really teach the program, and students can get their sparring and their form and basics and everything. And it's it's uh, it's a week of hard work and sweat. It's not just like no. show up, I'll teach you a few moves, and you get an, a certificate, right? Um, it's not fancy. Yeah, it's very serious uh, training, and and so I have the idea that um, I could do ITCs in other locations outside of New York, and I think I want to do something called ITC Plus. Um, which would be that before the regular ITC, there would be like two or three days of uh, special training almost to prep the people for the ITC. And the reason why I think this is necessary is because the uh, style um, of WT that we teach, kind of Hong Kong style, requires students to understand guo, sao qi, sao sparring. And some WT practitioners from different lines within the WT family don't really have that uh, Hong Kong style qi sao sparring framework. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes challenging for me to teach people because even though they know WT, they might only know the sections. And then I want to do something out of a sparring frame from qi sao and they don't have that. So um, what I'm thinking is if I do an ITC at whatever location that we have like two or three days before the ITC, if I have a team of instructors there with me, they can take students who don't have the Gauzel framework mm -hmm. and I could have a team of instructors like a day or two before Ooh. it starts actually teach them step by step in like small group to get them ready so that they can get the most out of that week and I'm thinking of doing it in different locations so one of them is in uh, Turkey and this mm -hmm. would just be um, you know, we're not establishing branches there. This is just for a, you know, a week or two week long Wing Chun retreat. You would go there, do the training and then go back. I'm not really, I'm not looking to establish international branches really. I, I would much rather just my own students open schools and we kind of keep it in house. It's very family oriented. I'm not into like, here's, you spend a weekend with me. Here's a license for you to open a school under my name. It's not really... Not really my style. It's not how I like to do it. It's that um, dojo-ness. Yeah, well, that, that is unfortunately very common in the Wing Chun world. Um, you know, uh, some instructors, they basically make their whole living off of taking people who already know some Wing Chun from elsewhere and then just converting them over to their style in a weekend. Okay, well, here's how we do the form. Here's You already know Wing Chun, so here's how we do the Chi Sao. Here's how we do this. Here's a certificate. Now open a school under me, right? And I just find something very disingenuous about that. And uh, I don't have a problem with people learning who come here from different lineages or other WT lineages or non-WT lineages. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. They can come learn and whatever they learn, they can do whatever they want with the information. But to say this person can represent my program, that's a different story, right? Um, and I think that, that that's a little bit of an issue. So I'm thinking of doing something in Turkey, okay. an ITC plus, um, maybe Bali. All right. I think you should do Guatemala. Yeah, you just okay. came from Guatemala, right? I just came right? from Guatemala, yeah. and I tell you, I was there, and I got to do a couple of poses on the lava flats, mm. you know, just outside of Pacaya Volcano, which you can't actually do Wing Chun on those because they're super sharp as my hands as and you my found legs, out. as I found out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that and with that leg thing you showed us? Funny thing, right, it wasn't actually on the flats. So I got off all the really, really dangerous stuff, and that was fine. And as <laughs> and I was walking back down to the ATV, yeah, right? <laughs> as I was walking down to the ATV, and I, like, look, I was driving, so I wasn't drunk or anything, uh -huh. right? They're just a piece of ground just was just soil, right? And so I went arse over tit, 
and basically like kind of like got back up and everyone thinking oh you're going to be fine and then my leg was just pouring blood as was my hand and there was a big rock in my hand and that's just from the bits of like like lava that's there it's like sharp as knives Ooh, like, you know, okay yeah. And yeah. So let's maybe not like do Wing Chun there. Not not there specifically. <laughs> All right. Right. right there. This is right. not exactly right. a glowing endorsement yeah. for this as a location. I, I, okay. Hear it's me really out. sharp and you'll bleed easily. <laughs> not right there, but there are very nice Ooh. mountains around there with lots of really nice open space, and the air is really good, and it's also very reasonably priced. Right. Like in terms of like yeah. accommodation and like you know stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna look into some different locations. I think next year already. That'll be I a great name for a branch. Ass over tip. Kung Fu. Yeah. So anyway, uh, by the way, the best way to support the Kung Fu Genius is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. You get access to early episodes a couple days early before they come out. What about uh, future episodes like that haven't been recorded yet? Yeah. I can't, I, we haven't gotten the I, like AI travel, quite to that level yet. through the future. But uh, yeah, if, if, I could, if I could get it to the point where I could provide future unrecorded episodes to my <laughs> Patreons before they were recorded. Uh, that would be fantastic because then I could just listen to that episode. Yeah. I would know what to record. Exactly. Or I would just use that episode mm. and then not have to record it. <laughs> so uh, that would be fantastic. By the way, when we're in Hong Kong in yeah. August, um, uh, we are going to look to maybe record an episode from Hong Kong. Uh, perhaps some pre-recorded episodes. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see if we could do one live episode, one something. Live yeah, that would be pretty dope. From Hong, Hong Kong. Kong, of course, Cafe. the times, the times gonna have to be different, right? Because it's a twelve-hour time difference, so we have to mm-hmm. kind of factor that in. We might be doing it really early, <laughs> eight in the morning, live for us. from Wan Chai. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, Lan Kwai Fong, something yeah, like that. Yeah, working right? on that one. It's like that, or we do it from the top of our baller hotel. Yes, that's yeah. from the top of our baller hotel. <laughs> oh. From the depths of Kowloon wow. Parks, okay. Kung Fu Corner, some granny doing <laughs> yeah, Tai Chi in the background. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're in Hong Kong, baby. <laughs> By the way, uh, shout out to um, Andrew Lin, our editor. Okay. Uh, so uh, most recent Is episode. He, uh, doing uh, no, Hong most, Kong with grannies right now. Well, I mean, well first uh, of all, Kung he's Fu? he's coming to Hong Kong. Okay. By the way, him and yes. and his uh, Sifu, yeah. Yes. So as a matter of fact, I think you're the oh, only one Sifu. that's not coming to Hong Kong. Yeah, you're the only one that's not coming, Dre. Well, I'm yeah. the only one that's not booked yet. That doesn't mean I'm not going. I'm just not booked yet. Okay. Yeah, we, we will hold you to that while we're in Hong Kong and you're not there. Yeah. The, I, look, and you got to at least do it for the podcast fans. Because if I we're going to record an episode in Hong Kong, I'm recording just with like... It, it, well, to be fair, you know, no diss on Mikey Dean. I'm kind of recording it with the other guy. You know what I mean? That, Instead of like the that guy. British, that yeah, British it's like, guy. Oh, you're doing it with like the other guy, not like the main guy. Right? Yeah. Maybe we should put a fund together. I don't know. I, I don't a GoFundMe so Drake yeah. can Go come to Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Uh huh. I'm I'm all I'm all down with that because uh, you've, Hong you've, Kong. you've come to fun. Hong Kong with us before. We had a really oh really God, good time. This trip uh, looks like it's going to be quite epic as well. And mm-hmm. the only thing missing is Dre. Yeah, Dre. <sighs> these these are trying times yes <laughs> in the pocket area yeah, in the pocketbook area all right <laughs> let's go so anyway we got question. a question yeah you got some questions i for got me. one question from that it jujitsu viking <laughs> jujitsu viking in the yeah. house okay and this is not an at jujitsu viking okay mikey this is jujitsu viking are the applications in the forms told from the teacher or 
are you supposed to figure it out? And we're assuming he's talking about Wing Chun Force. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think that is a banger. You think that's a banger? Well, you asked it first, all right? So for our, for our audience that may not know about all our internal KFG lingo. They would know the by now. The, 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 well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't. Only like the, the really hardcore ones True. would know, right? The banger is so when Dre goes through all the questions and uh, all, you know, through all the comments, and then he finds the one that is the most interesting or the one that could potentially be the topic of the episode mm -hmm. and we the call thumbnail. that uh, the banger mm -hmm. all right but uh as our audience most likely doesn't know dre was still figuring out what the banger was <laughs> about three and a half seconds before we hit record uh all right so anyway um oh man it's yeah amazing that's i found that the, the, yeah, it's amazing you found that <laughs> yeah, because all the other questions that he kept suggesting to be the banger were Boy, questions we had already uh, done in previous episodes. Uh, true, in true, fact, true. the yeah. the last episode, he, he pretty much <laughs> asked every single one of them, what about that question? We did that last week, well, did that last week. That's not, um, that's not what happened. It's exactly what happened. I don't happened. remember that. Uh, some version very close to that is um, exactly that. how it happened. Um, okay, so, um, well, that's a good question. Um, it, it probably is important to give a little bit of context for that because... Um, uh, different kung fu styles handle this thing differently. You know, for mm. many kung fu styles, the applications and learning the applications is like such a big deal, right? It's like because you learn the form. Uh, let's if we look outside of Wing Chun, uh, maybe some other styles you would learn. You know, potentially kind of a relatively complicated form, a robust series of movements, just, and then I'm not, I'm not bad. I just find it ironic that you know during the banger, there's a guy banging right outside the window. I'll tell you, yeah, someone, someone is doing construction somewhere here nearby. Um, it's banging away. But you know, uh, but, Alanis Morris, uh, ironic though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that I, type ironic. Of yeah, but you know what's weird? Yeah, is you can tell that Dre has been out of the city for a while because as city folk, uh, I don't notice those sounds because I live in the oh. city. So like horns, people screaming, someone getting decapitated that across the street. Sense. These are not things that turn my head. Wow. All right. But he's been out of the city long enough now where he's like, listen to all the noise going on. Are those pigeons outside? Oh, my God. Look, can so they just true. stop honking those That's horns? So yeah. How is that a Dre, thing? Dre, you got How soft. How did this happen? Yeah, you got you, soft. Suburban not, dad, Dre. You're a suburban dad. Like, cause you keep, because since we started, that banging outside is bugging you. I don't hear that <laughs> until you tell me to listen to it. All right? <laughs> That's what happens when you live in the city. Yo. You filter out the unimportance. But when you move out of the city, everything, you're turning. What's a male Karen? Oh, how, and actually, do, how was it? It's not, um, a Hank? A Ken. Or, or maybe a no. Brad. Yeah, a Brad, a, yeah, something like that, right? Well, you know, it's a Baron. I tell you what, though. Should I be a Baron. You know what? He's, gonna, he's, he's, he's uh, applying to be a member Should of the HOA. Should be a Darren. A, a member of the HOA? Yeah, like he's going to be oh, a yeah, yeah. of his HOA. Isn't yeah, he? that's right. Are they going to let you in the HOA? You going to try to be the president of the HOA? I, I do not know what HOA is. But Homeowners Association. Oh, oh yeah, he's, he's the guy that's going to go around See? and go like, "Excuse me, how about that?" Time. I didn't know what the hell that meant. Yeah, I, I think he's <laughs> pretending like he didn't know what it. Meant. Yeah, yeah. Sorry you know to damn you, well but, what that uh, means. You know, like your your Jeez. bush is at like five centimeters over my car. So if yeah. you could just cut it and the rest of it. Have you seen we'll Have you seen you. the movie A Man Called Auto? I don't think I have. It's actually. a new Tom Hanks movie. Oh right, oh, it's like this I old curmudgeon. Yeah, I've yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's you in about ten years. Oh, so, damn. Uh, so anyway, uh, back to the question. 
All right. This is strange because uh, I moved from 34th Street and 6th Avenue with all the noise. Yeah. And now I you're just a Karen. And you're just a complaining Karen. Anything. Listen to you. Listen to you. I'm a Darren. Listen to this guy here. The banging outside. <laughs> the pigeons. The bison. It's so dirty. It's so dirty in this city. Yes. I don't know how anyone could live here. I don't know how anyone could live here. Listen. You're out of the city for a while and listen. It's the pedicure getting dude the right here, right? Okay. I mean, noise therapy. All right. Why don't we go back to Ant? This is a Kung Fu Genius podcast. All right. We need to stay on topic here, right? True, true, true. Uh, so the question is uh, whether you learn the applications that are in the forms or uh, whether you have to figure them out for yourself. Now, a lot of traditional styles are kind of like that. Um, when I spend some time hanging out with various exponents of, uh, let's say, more traditional or more orthodox Shaolin-type styles, mm -hmm. um, yeah, sometimes when they talk about application, it's always kind of... Um, kind of maybe sort of kind of thing like oh you see this move in the form right yeah okay well this could be used for this and you're like oh cool and then sometimes they'll show you some application idea which if, if if you if you didn't if you didn't know it you mm -hmm. wouldn't have like you would see the movement in the form and think oh it's probably just hitting some guy in the face right uh, and then you uh see how they do it and you're like oh no there's actually a throw it's like way more intricate than you thought it was right and then so when you see these guys kind of demonstrate these applications like wow that's really cool but the problem is that it's often like um a bit inconsistent so you'll see like all right some I'm just going to use a very generic example. Someone does some kind of Shaolin style X, Y, Z, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, yo, ch check out this. And he busts out a couple shapes from a Okay, what is this for? All right. Well, if you grab me, I could do this and I could do this and then go and do this one here. Okay. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, what's this other movement for? Oh, well, if you kick, I would go here and then go here and then do this and this. All right, cool. All right, what is this for? Well, this is a simultaneous this and this. And then it's, it's almost, it's like completely patchwork. It's like, okay, so you have this form and every move in there is against something else kind of random. Like this is for a punch, this is for a grab, this is for this, this is for that. And the student is supposed to memorize all of those. Okay. And then how, then when is that trained? Is it trained in sparring, like free sparring or because if you just spar freely, you're not necessarily going to use these movements, right? So is there a drill to learn how to use those movements and then put it into sparring, right? And then what you realize is like, no, there's the form. And then there's like all these hypothetical, well, this could be this, this could be this. But where's the training method? Like, uh -huh. it's one, like, and do you, it's one thing if you say that this movement out of the form is for X, Y, Z. It's another thing if that's something that you practice regularly, all right? <laughs> yeah. And so Wing Chun is different in that way in that um, we don't value simply the knowledge of the forms and go, yeah, okay, this person knows Wing Chun because they learned Siyunam Tao Chum Kibuji, although some Wing Chun styles may value it in that kind of way. In Wing Chun, it's always like, well, what can you do with the stuff in those forms, all right? So if someone fires a punch at you, do you have a reaction? If I grab you, can you do something against the grab, right? If I, you know, try to hold onto your arms and punch you, can you stick, can you, can you actually do something with those forms? And since we prioritize application, we teach it parallel to learning the forms and learning the traditional drills. It's not something that is like a secret or when people start to go like, all right, well, how do we use this in Chum Q? For example, I do occasionally see some Wing Chun people 
kind of talk about the applications of the forms in a very similar way to how I just explained some other traditional guys do their stuff. It's like, okay, well, what's this form? What's this move in the Chumkey form? Well, you could use it like for this. Okay, great. What's this for? Well, this could be for this. Of course, every movement in the form has many different things it could be. Mm -hmm. But Wing Chun is also a very practical style. Pretty much for every movement in the form, you should be able to say like, to give three examples. Um, one I would say is like, here's a very common, easy to understand example of what this movement is for. Let's say like the, the textbook application, all right? Mm -hmm. Or the textbook idea. And then the second one would be something that maybe doesn't look so obvious, all right? So like, uh, here's a move from the form, here's what we would put in the textbook that it's for. Here's a kind of, I'm not gonna say hidden because I'm not talking about secrets, just saying like, here's another way this could be interpreted, which is maybe not that obvious, you know? And then you look and you're like, oh wow, I didn't realize that move could be that. And then the third one I would say would be a conceptual idea. All right, beyond the technical application, like what is the idea behind this movement? Okay. Right, how can this be applied broadly throughout your entire Wing Chun style outside of the scope of the context of this movement? So I think if you really understand your Wing Chun to a certain degree, for most things in the form, um, you should at least be able to pick out three examples. A common, low-hanging fruit example, mm -hmm. a more kind of less obvious example, something that shows a slightly more technical or nuanced understanding of the art, and then conceptually, why do we even have this movement, all right? Um, you know, uh, for example, uh, something like uh, the slant kick in the Chumkyu form, right? Yeah. The uh, Chumkyu form famously has, uh, is kind of asymmetrical in terms of that final kick, right? Now, I say that, of course, there's some Wing Chun Sifus who've added a right slant kick into their Chumkyu form to balance it out. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the form as the late Grandmaster Yip Man did it. He did it with the left, only the final kick on the left side, mm -hmm. all right? The, the odd angle, the slant kick, right? So then, all right, what are kind of, if we use the same idea of, you should have like three ideas for each thing, right? All right, at least, you can have more, all right? But at least three. Okay, practical example, all right? Um, the slant kick is an odd angle kick, all right? Um, it is kind of our kick if someone is behind us, all right? Because normally we wanna face our opponent. So if we're caught from behind, in theory, mm -hmm. we could use this kick to kick someone from behind. It's kind of halfway between a, uh, a front kick and a side kick, but your foot yeah. is turned out because you don't have time to fully turn. You just do this quick kick behind you, right? I've used so, it at the ATM when someone tried to look at my passcode. Oh yeah, you use yeah. a slant kick yeah, to, yeah, to, to just, be like, what you trying to look at my shit? Bang! <laughs> trying to look at my codes. I, I, would, I would love it. An, I would love an animated version of all these stories. Like, so, uh, so you know, you could say like, all right, well, there's like the textbook example. It's like mm -hmm. uh, the the idea of a back kick, right? Because in Wing Chun, we we want to face our opponent. We wouldn't just kick over our shoulder like a back kick in karate because we can't face our opponent. So we have this quick slant kick, and then we can go and face our opponent. All right, that's kind of a easy textbook example. Right. Um, what is a uh, more nuanced example, right? Well, when you're practicing chi sao with someone, for example, I might be holding onto their arm and pressing them down, all right? I could have them in a position where it's almost like a standing arm lock, right? I have a lap sao on their wrist and I'm pressing down on their elbow with the gum sao, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're, uh, for whatever reason, I want to kick them, all right? I have them yeah. in this position, all right? Well, from this side position, chum, I could give them that slant kick Dang. because it, it fits right like as a face kick from that angle. That's a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more specific, right? 
And then uh, if we look at it from a conceptual standpoint, all right, so we have our you know, standard application. It's a back kick, although, spoiler alert, if someone comes up behind you, I wouldn't kick. I would turn and face them, right? Um, but, but this is just hypothetical, right? Your quick kick to behind, all right? An odd angle kick when you want to kick someone in some kind of strange position. And then the other one is that, well, the, uh, the three kicks in the chump cue form represent the three different directions. A front kick when someone is in front of you. When you get attacked from the side, you have a side kick. If you get attacked from behind or at an odd angle, you have the hip open slant kick, right? So what is the idea behind it? That you can kick from any angle that you're at. Mm -hmm. That you can't say, hold on, as Sifu Langting would say, wait, Mr. Enemy, yeah. and the adjust yourself so you can do your favorite kick. That whatever position you're in relative to your opponent, all right? Boom, you have a slant kick, a side kick, a front kick. So it handles all the three major directions. So that's a conceptual idea. So you should be able to say that for a lot of movements. It's basic application, <clears throat> deeper idea, uh, or, or le less commonly known application, and then the deeper idea behind it, right? And I think that any good Wing Chun Sifu should be able to do that for any move in the form. So when we teach the students, we teach the applications parallel. It's not a secret, as it sometimes is in the other styles where they learn forms and then the application is like, well, you could kind of maybe sort of do this in this situation, all right? Yeah, but where are the training methods? You know, where the, where, where's the actual sparring in the practice to make sure that you can actually do that, right? So that's how we tackle it. All right, what else you got for me, Dre? Uh, uh, you caught me off guard. I was trying. I always to catch him off guard. I was trying to scroll. And yeah. Make no, it no, 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 what? no, no. Whenever you scroll, it's been a while. I get yeah. it, suburban dad. What? But whenever yeah. you scroll, that normally means that. There's some chumpy question coming yeah, from yeah, some yeah, chump. Yeah. You ever hear doom scrolling? Doom scrolling. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's when you you know you go on Twitter just to look at terrible news, right? Yeah. But I I'm gonna redefine it as whenever Dre is scrolling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. All right, so what you got? What you got? Cinematic tendencies. Cinematic tendencies in the house. I've, yeah. I've been on his uh, podcast. By Pretty the way, cool on his okay. show. Oh, yeah. oh. Before we go, and I'd just like to apologize. Have for I cinematic seen this? Tendencies. I said, oh, maybe you have. I just want to apologize to Cinemax. I said, say that you're not a chumpy person. I thought that <laughs> Dre was going to go for someone like, I don't know, Dryson or something like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Who's that? You don't even know that I was on the Cinematic Tendencies show? I might have seen it. No, no, no. How long ago was this? It was like December. Mm. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't watch the it. stuff that I'm in, do you? I haven't seen it. You don't really, you don't really do that extra effort. I have it on the... Um, yeah. On the playlist, yeah. waiting, yeah, for, 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 a, for a long drive, right? It's, it's queued up, all right? I haven't driven in yeah. so long. Right? Yeah. By the way, uh, you know our boy uh, Bruce Willow, all right, on Instagram? Yeah. He also has a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just recorded an episode with him earlier Ooh. this week. Yeah, so it should be out soon. Yeah, we talk movies and Bruce Lee. And, I have to uh, see Cinematic Tendency first. So. Yeah, you need to, yeah. And he's like a huge supporter of our podcast. I was always writing cool stuff, including yeah. about you. Yeah. And you don't even know who he is. Actually, it's awful. no, no, no. No, it's Actually, awful. Actually, this, this is a comment that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like how you're pointing. Me. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, Kanye. Yeah, he's protesting too much, right? All right, come on, Kanye. Rumor let's go. has it that at the gym, Dre always makes eye contact while using the abductor, adductor machine. Wow. Yeah, Can that is confirm. creepy. Yeah. I'm confirming, yes, I do. Yes. I do do. While you're squeezing your knees together, <laughs> you're just looking at someone creepily. Is, is the abductor, adductor machine, you, you're squeezing and, and doing abs at the same time? Well, usually they're, usually, usually they're two different machines. You, yeah. have, the, you have the one where you squeeze like your knees together you, and one you, where you press you, it out. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll do that. Well, you don't need no you rumor. Don't, you don't, you don't need true. you don't need to do that if you practice I Wing Chun. That. All right. Yes. But if you practice the Wing Chun stance, you don't need that. You know. I, have you ever actually used that machine? Have you ever gone to a gym and used it? <laughs> I right? used it. Yeah, when you do Wing Chun, it's remarkably easy. Yeah. I remember uh, the first time I tried that, it was uh, when I was living in Germany and was doing Wing Chun full-time, six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I went to the gym and I saw that. And I'm like, oh, you know, because of our Wing Chun stance, we're always training those yeah. muscles, right? So I remember I went up to it and I could, yeah. I could press an obscene amount it. of weight with, with, I was like, oh, right? Not realizing, oh, this is a, a girl <laughs> exercise, right? I'm just crushing <laughs> this thing. Going, yeah, this isn't that difficult. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Making awkward eye contact wow. with people, right? Making eye contact. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, when I lived in Germany. So Germany is a place that you are not likely to find Hong Kong Chinese. All right? So you would be very hard-pressed to find someone who lives in Germany, a mm. uh, Chinese person who speaks Cantonese. If, if you meet a Chinese person in Germany, often they're Mandarin speakers, usually from China. Wow. Um, but when I lived uh, near Heidelberg, when I was training at the castle... I, um, I went through a period where I wanted to kind of bulk up and lift weights and see how that affected my Wing Chun <laughs> training. Me about this, yeah. So I joined a gym in Heidelberg proper, and oh, it was like wow. Jackie's gym. And Jackie, uh, his name was Jackie Wong in Germany, in Heidelberg, Germany, Jackie Wong. And he was a former uh, bodybuilder from Hong Kong. And dude looked like Bolo. And he was there all the time, and he was still jacked. He was, like, in his... Fo- I mean, I said, like, oh, he was kind of older back then, but if I think about it, he was probably my age now. Uh, <laughs> back then, right? Okay, like, yeah, he was older. It's like, yeah, he was probably my, the same right. age I am now, right? Exactly. And he was still in really good shape, and uh, I would go to his gym a couple times a week, lift some weights, and uh, every time he would see me in there, he knew that I was doing Wing Chun, so he would call me Sifu oh, in the years wow, before I was right. actually a Sifu, Right. And uh, yeah, that was Jackie Wong. I think he was like a Mr. Hong Kong at some point or whatever. Yeah. But he spoke German and English and Cantonese. And he had a Love it. Jackie's gym in, in Heidelberg, uh, Germany. And, she gave him a shout out. Yeah. And that, that's where I went on that creepy adductor machine. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. What, what else you got? So what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected Wing Chun masters in history? Gong Sao Wong, a tribute, direct students on Sifu Wong Shilong offers you just that. Through a series of exclusive conversations, 25 direct students share anecdotes, reflections, and personal stories offering in-depth understanding of the man behind the legend. Order your copy today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping. I absolutely love this book, and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. Next up, we got Prince Namor 777. Oh, you know who Prince Namor is? I, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. That's my man. That's, That's my G. Yo, what's That's up, man? That's right there. Yeah, right. what's up, Sifu? We got to get him to do the intro for the podcast. We should. Because he, he used to be on the radio, he said, right? He's got that, he's got that voice for the yeah. radio. He's, he's, he's got that over silky YouTube. voice. Yeah. He's yeah. got that silky yeah. He's got that ASMR voice. He'll put you to sleep. <laughs> he, you ever seen Apollo? Showtime at the Apollo back in the day, there was uh, Steve Harvey. He uh-huh. was the, the host. But right. before him, there was a guy that spoke like this. Yeah, he looked like Freddy Krueger hat. Really? Next up, we got It almost James. sounds like those dudes who have to put that thing yeah. on their throat there, like yeah. from a CB4. Oh, man. Yeah. Classic. Classic childhood stuff, bro. Classic childhood stuff. Great show. Great to see you, Dre. Great build, SG. All right. What does he mean by that? 
Great build. What'd you do? Great build. I don't know, like our podcast studio set up. Ah, okay, yeah, which, okay. That's which is, all, it's all Mikey. Also, Mikey. this this is literally just a curtain. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not really. It, uh, he it had, built it. It took some building. It took too. some building. Yeah, yeah, yeah it took some some building. Some, yeah, some of that. So yeah. All, all right. right. All right. Next up, Axel Stone. Yeah, Axel Stone in the house. Stone. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Since reading the fights of Bruce Lee, has your opinions changed, been reinforced about him? Uh, so I think what he's talking about Saucy. is I was able to preview John Little's new book, um, which isn't out yet. So I'm, I can't really talk about it yet. The book's not out yet. All right. I have to wait until the book is out. <laughs> but I uh, but, uh, yeah, John Little is, uh, coming out with a new book about Bruce Lee, Wrath of the Dragon. And it's about, uh, by the way, do those sirens bother you, Dre? I didn't mean you noticed them. Oh, yeah? No. No, I can see, I can see his eye twitching. <laughs> He's going like this. No, I, I didn't even yeah. notice those sirens uh, in the background. Yeah. Last time I heard sirens, I was in the goddamn ambulance. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, by the way, uh, give, give the audience an update. Show them your face. Ah. See, look, man. Last episode, yeah, that big, big old chip, yeah, uh, yeah, missing toothages, yeah, it's rough and toothless, yeah, tough and ruthless, right? Yeah, jagged edge, right there. <laughs> you, should have, you should have kept the tooth off. It looked like Doctor Teeth from the Muppets. Put the hair on. Would I don't some? know who Doctor Teeth is. How do you know? That who sounds Teeth crazy is? to me, Doctor Teeth. Doctor Teeth is the leader of the band. That's his name with the gold tooth. Yes. Oh my God! I never knew his name was Doctor Teeth. That's so cool. Yeah. He was one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Him Teeth and was... Anima, Anima. It's also like Dre didn't know that uh, Jabba the Hutt's boy was Salacious Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought we were messing I with him. I always try to ignore that dude. Like, no, his, no, his no, name's actually Salacious Crumb. I was, always, I was always distracted Comes from the Crumb uh, family. Princess Leia. Princess Leia? Who's yeah. Princess Leia? Did he just say Princess yeah. Leia? Yeah, exactly. Prince had a Leia? Yeah, I know. Princess Leia with the bathing suit outfit. I mean, see, I think I he means always... Princess Leia. Oh, yeah, Princess. Because so it sounds like you're saying Princess Leia. Like, like the like artist Prince. No, no. Like, like the artist Prince has a Leia. Princess what? Leia. No. It's Princess Leia. That's what I said. That's absolutely not what you That's said. What I said. That's not what you said. Please, we, we can appeal to the audience please. to play back the recording. Oh, 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 All no. right, Princess. No. Pri yeah, the, the no. Prince. It was Princess, Princess Leia. Leia of what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, answers on a postcard. All right. Moving right along. So that is. He's just. He's, Do you need me to read? So aggressive right the, now, being out question? there in the burbs. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the question? Hey, Alex, mm -hmm. since reading the fights of Bruce oh, Lee. Oh, right. Okay. I remember the, okay. I remember the question. I'm yeah. sorry. All right. So, Wrath How of do we Bruce get it? Lee. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, so, I previewed it, um, yeah. but obviously the book's not out yet, so I can't comment too much on it. Mm. Um, it's about, uh, you know, nowadays. Is it thicker than a snicker? Uh, mm, no, it's, it's not like my wooden dummy book. Oh, it's damn. more like my chumkey book. Shots thrown. This isn't shots. <laughs> Not every book has to be a fat boy like and, mine. And who's throwing shots? Yeah, shots you're fired. the one. You're the shots one fired. throwing shots. Shots fired. You're the one throwing. I can throw these shots at you. It's a bug and take this bullet and throw it at you, right? 
Terrible, terrible. <laughs> so, um, you know, because right now there, there's like a lot of pushback, um, you know, from like the MMA bros community. Like, yeah, bro, Brucey wasn't a real fighter, bro. It wasn't like Chuck Norris who was fighting in MMA in 1965, right? Uh, you know, it, it's just kind of um, this idea of copy. You will whip and your mama's ass. Either copying and pasting today's martial arts scene onto late 60s and going like <laughs> and going well how come bruce never competed in mma the mma that didn't exist in the late 60s right um and and it seems that they're just kind of trying to attack him based on his lack of not having lived in the 21st century uh which is kind of ridiculous um because the thing is that uh when it comes to all these claims about how good of a fighter was bruce lee really um, Bruce wasn't the one making these claims, all right? Like, uh, Bruce was definitely someone who was confident in his skills, and, and he wasn't one to back down from from any adversity or whatever, but he wasn't going around saying uh, mm. that uh, he would he would beat anyone, anytime, any place. Hmm. You know what I mean? This idea is something that's grafted on from his fans, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so I feel kind of bad because it's like, as a Bruce Lee fan, I almost I have to, like, defend Bruce about accusations that um, are not real. <laughs> he was never making any claims about this. He said things like, oh, he, you know, if someone is in front of him, he feels self-sufficient, he doesn't have fear, whatever, but he wasn't saying that he could beat everyone and Bruce was someone who respected uh, boxing and, and how effective they were and wrestling. And then when you look at his notes, he was definitely something that was looking, he was looking well outside of his wheelhouse and had respect for these kind of things, right? And at a time when Chuck Norris and Bob Wall and those guys were really just point karate fighters. And they weren't thinking about, well, what if someone would put you in, uh, do a takedown in the middle of fighting? Or what if someone uh, integrated boxing skills into this, uh, in, into the, you know, kicking that you're doing from karate, right? Bruce was on that tip way back then, you know? Mm -hmm. And then now, all these years later, to go like, well, well, you never fought. And it's like, first of all, he was well ahead of his time. Uh, second of all, he, he did have some fights. And yeah, they're anecdotal, but whose fights, who, who wasn't a professional fighter, whose fights aren't anecdotal from that time period, all right? Okay. Even your own fights that you had as a child are anecdotal, all right? It's like, yeah, uh, uh, when I uh, uh, defended myself as a 15-year-old against, you know, you know, Spuds McKenzie throwing a swing at me in, in, in high school, yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't have a, I didn't have my iPhone at that time in the 90s, all right? And so it just seems like they're kind of like not cutting Bruce any slack for claims that he never made to begin with, right? Mm. So I find like the whole thing a little tiresome. It's a little my dad can beat up your dad kind of shit, right? Um, and it's, uh, yeah, um, I think a little played out and a little, um, a little tiresome. But uh, John Little is just the man to kind of push back on that a little bit. Saying, well, I mean, Bruce Lee did have a number of fights. And yeah, they maybe weren't in the ring except for his fight with uh, Gary Elms. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he fought mm -hmm. on the street and there were witnesses to those fights. Uh, and what he did was is he compiled all of Bruce Lee's fights that he had from, you know, in Hong Kong all the way until the end. Those couple of challenges that he had on the set of Enter the Dragon. And he compiled them all basically to try to get for the first time a complete record of all of Bruce Lee's fights, which is kind of crazy because if you think about it, 
it's kind of mind blowing. No one had already done that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, think about like, you know, yeah, you had all these like, oh, you know, he fought this guy, he fought this guy, whatever. But no one really just put all of those together and then put it in a book. John Little's the first one to do Timeline it. Timeline so, and all that? Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. he's doing it, I suppose, slightly as a pushback to the MMA bros going like, yeah, Bruce, he wasn't a real fighter, bro. And then so what he did was for all those fights is he assembled as much uh, evidence as he could in terms of like, well, what did the people who were there, what did they say? Mm-hmm. You know, whenever possible. And um, tries to, you know, Get, give all the attestations to those fights and what the what the uh, result was. So it was really interesting, and uh, I'm not I'm not going to talk too much about the details or whatever. But I think it's kind of like for fans of Bruce Lee, it's like the one book that had not been written yet, but should have been written a long time ago. God. Um. So you can go there and literally read the record of Bruce Lee's fights. When is it due out? Uh, soon. So as of this recording, I think in a few weeks. So I think the book's going to be out soon. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. And then I, I talked to John, so we'll have him back on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, soon. So we can talk about that. Um, talk about that project. So, yeah. What else you got for me? OK, next up, we got John Rubio. All right. John Rubio is coming on a Hong Kong trip. He's one yeah, of our Patreons. That's what's up. Shout out to John. That's what's up. Facts. Facts. Want to get good at something? Do the work. A hundred Motivation, or I guess it's 100% motivation gets you started, but discipline keeps you going. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a comment to something in a previous episode. I don't yep. remember exactly what it was, but yeah, um, but that's totally true. I mean, uh, motivation is what get you, gets you started, but you can't, but motivation is an emotion. It's like an emotional high and it doesn't last. Mm-hmm. So you can't rely solely on motivation to keep you moving because motivation you have like oh i'm really highly motivated right now and in a few hours that motivation can can wane right yeah so what keeps you going in the meantime discipline Mm -hmm. all right the discipline to get the things done you need to get done to achieve the goals you want to achieve right that is what's going to push you through when motivation wanes right so uh it's always good to have like a bigger goal attached to um you know let's say in this case, your, your martial art goals, right? Like, you know, someone might have a goal to be an instructor, right? Some people might think that that's not a good goal, right? Like you shouldn't, someone shouldn't have a goal to be an instructor. Their goal should be to get better or to improve or whatever. But, you know, whatever motivates people, maybe somebody wants to be an instructor, not because they want to be the one with the power and authority, but because they want to help other people, right? Mm -hmm. So, so this idea that you have to say, well, only certain motivations are correct in martial arts and others aren't, I think is kind of silly because whatever your motivation is, as long as it's not there to hurt other people, um, that is uh, ultimately what's going to bring you your discipline, right? Okay. That you that that's what you want to achieve and you got to do all the things to get those goals. And, you know, for some people, they want to be an instructor. Other people just want to improve their skills. Other people want to maybe open a school or other people want to uh, feel more confident, right? Whatever your reason is, that's what gets you in the gym. And then um, building those skills and contextualizing that is what develops the discipline for you to do the work day in and day out, right? There are no shortcuts. Well, the only shortcut is to do something every day. There's no shortcut home. No. Yeah. There you go. All right. What else you got? Next up, we got Ray Zerbachik. All right. Accurately pronounced, I'm sure. <laughs> Burl chick. All right. One 
always wondered what the outcome might have been between Bruce and Rune, uh, June Ri. That's a Rune G. In, in sparring. Uh-huh. Does anyone know? Uh, I, I can, I mean, again, it's always these. Is like, it in this book? No. Uh, again, it's always these kind of like, my dad can beat up your dad. First of all, Bruce Lee and Jun Ri were very good friends. I mean, mm. like, what's this like, we got to have friends beat each other for the, uh, uh, for the prize of being the tough guy in the relationship? I don't understand, right? Um, <laughs> That's what we do. Well, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, first of all, I mean, they were friends. Why, why, why are we even talking about this? Why, why is it so important for people who can beat the other person, right? Um, because even, even that doesn't answer anything for you, right? Like, uh, does that mean you would rather learn fighting from Bruce Lee or Jun Ri? Like, say Jun Ri could beat Bruce Lee. Like, so you... You want to learn martial arts from someone who just does Taekwondo or you want to learn martial arts from someone who has a wider worldview, right? Mm -hmm. These are different. I don't understand what any of these things even mean. Having said that, I don't really think Jun Ri would have much of a chance against Bruce Lee because Jun Ri was primarily a Taekwondo guy, right? So you have uh, real reliance on kicks and no doubt had very, very good kicks in his prime. But the hand techniques of Taekwondo, and I know this because... I'm a black belt in Taekwondo, so I, I can speak on this topic. Yeah. Um, the hand techniques in Taekwondo, uh, especially at that time, uh, leave something to be desired. Mm -hmm. So I think just Bruce's ability to close the gap with you know his straight lead and his boxing skills on top of his Wing Chun skills, I don't really think Jun Ri would have much to say with his hands or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Bruce's ability to clinch him and tie him down or whatever with his Chi Sao and basic... I, Wing Chun ideas, I I think once he closed the gap on those kicks, I mean, what's Jun Ri going to do? And also, Bruce was no slouch in the kick department either. So, uh, no, and also, Jun Ri went on record saying that he would never fight Bruce Lee and he wouldn't have had a chance anyway. Um, but I don't, I think Taekwondo in general is just lacking the tools to, you know, I mean, Bruce at that time was, you know, before the term existed, um, Bruce was a kickboxer. At that time, before oh. the, the term really existed the way it, it later got big in the, in the 70s, right? But he was someone who could kick and punch and move, and he had distance and timing, and he understood that in a way that the traditional martial art guys were, weren't on that tip yet. So uh, I, don't, I don't really see Jun Ri doing much to Bruce Lee at that time period, yeah. Hey, Kung Fu Genius fans. If you like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For as little as five bucks a month, you'll get early access to episodes and other goodies not posted on the Kung Fu Genius channel. With higher levels of support, you can get your name in the description, a live chat with me, or at the baller level, you even get your own personal KFG episode with me as my guest. The link to our Patreon page is in the description of this episode below. Patreons have a direct link to chat with me and get first dibs on any questions for Ask Me Anything episodes. Click on the link in the description for our Patreon page for more information, and I'll see you on Patreon. Sweet. All right. What else you got? Next up, we got Mo Howard. Mo Howard in the house. Yeah. Without getting into politics or commenting on a current situation in NYC, I'm curious to know, do you have to get up to speed on current self-defense laws in the city and or state of New York with your students or with new students or even current ones to protect yourselves from any possible litigation in a self-defense situation? When gun stores certify, train, and sell firearms in my area, they have to teach the current local and state laws 
but in a simple way for the average person to understand just to protect you from putting your uh, putting ourselves in an illegal situation love to hear your answer keep up the great work kfg dre and mikey d right uh yeah well as a matter of fact uh this year's itc which is later this month okay. in june uh for the instructor training um i actually have one um seth who's one of our brooklyn instructors mm-hmm. he's actually going to come in and do a whole segment on self-defense law in new york sweet yeah to make sure that the instructors are up to date on that so actually that's something oddly enough that you know mo howard is asking here is actually something i'm now uh implementing <laughs> that the instructors need to know that so they can pass on that information to their students because uh, these these laws do get updated from time to time mm-hmm. it's not really as extreme with uh, fist fighting as it is with uh you know having a gun for example uh for i mean well in new york that's a non-starter anyway you can't get guns here anyway um but in general um although there there are nuances and there are details you know if you are if you have exhausted all attempts to de-escalate a situation uh you know you you've you told the guy look i don't want any trouble take it easy you know you can back away we don't have to do anything right You've, you've used this kind of language to kind of show uh, your would-be assailant or other people that you're not the one instigating it. Hey, buddy, sorry, I didn't mean, you know, it starts with guys, right? What are you looking at, right? Uh, sorry, man, I d- didn't mean to look at you for too long. I apologize. You remind me of someone I used to work with, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the person is faced with a dilemma, right? Because, I mean, yeah, maybe you looked at him too long because... He reminds you of someone you worked with, right? And now if you say that, that the person has a dilemma, right? Because you might legitimately be, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to stare at you. You just look like someone I used to work with, right? And, I and, told and someone, then, I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mind to stare at you. You just look like someone I was born with in the, in the, next, in the same time. Yes. Yeah, time but, frame. But, but, but I mean, th- those are things where the, you have an answer, yeah. right? And most people, um, most martial artists, they don't train this situation because it's like uh, they always think, all right, uh, either you think of two types of violence, right? Predatory and social violence, mm-hmm. right? Predatory violence is what most dudes, at least, think that they're preparing themselves for. And for in most <laughs> dudes, it's like, in their mind, is you're leaving City Wing Chun at night. Yeah. You're walking down the stairs. You've uh, locked up. No one is in the building. And when you get to the second floor, a bunch of ninjas come out, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're like... Yeah, right? And so, like, you know, you have this kind of ridiculous idea of, like... You know, being assaulted by, you know, ninjas and then using your kung fu skills, right? And um, in reality, um, a lot of the violence that men partake in uh, with women is a little bit different. But for men, it's social, you know? It's the monkey dance. Hey, what are you looking at? You know, what the F's your problem? You know, don't get so close to me. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? Usually it's alcohol involved and it Mm -hmm. starts in a very close range. And the problem is that most martial arts guys don't really train this situation it's like okay either you just attack me let's say someone just grabs me and i have to immediately do my self-defense to get out of this grab or whatever or you're standing in front of me in some kind of martial arts position i'm in a martial arts position and we're basically going to have a duel right and this is these this is like the very dichotomous thinking in terms of self-defense it's like either uh you just grab me from behind try to put me in a choke and i have to try to get out and do my thing or, you know, we are on the street going back and forth having a final boss fight duel like at the end of an anime, right? right? 
Um, whereas in reality, it doesn't happen. in reality, a lot of these situations is like, it's you know, the guy starts in front and he's like, Hey, what are you looking at? And there's pushing and maybe a headbutt and a slap across the face. And it's very ambiguous, like it, 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 it ambiguous. Sorry. Uh, it, I read the wrong syllable emphasis, right? Uh, all right, Dre. Cause I was about to say ambiguity and then as ambiguous, <laughs> ambiguous, sorry, ambiguous. Um, and, and that's the problem. So you need to have some kind of method to, to ride the seas of ambiguity. Um, because, uh, it's not a clear thing like, Hey, you know, you insulted my master. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. And then you both take your stances and you go for it, which by the way, that's illegal because that's fighting. When two people agree to it and fight each other, that's fighting and fighting Mm -hmm. is illegal. Self-defense. You have to have one unwilling participant. The person who is being attacked is un, un, an unwilling <laughs> participant, right? right? When you have two willing participants, you have a fight. And that's why people are like, yeah, for street fighting. So you're voluntarily fighting someone on the street. Have you even been to New York? You know, voluntarily fight someone on the street? You have no idea where their boys are, what they have on them or whatever. That's crazy. And that is illegal. That's fighting. All right. Yeah. Self-defense. Guy gets in your face, you tell him to back off, tell him to back off, he keeps going, boom, and you gotta do something. Okay, that's a self-defense situation, right? So um, we have to have uh, the ability to de-escalate and kind of you know, bring things down. And if you do some effort to de-escalate, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey buddy, I don't want any trouble, please don't take another step. You take a step back, look man, I didn't mean to bump into you, sorry I was having a bad day, it has nothing to do with you, you know. You keep going like, you keep saying like, look man, it's an accident, it's a misunderstanding. If you continue to pursue me, you are really the unreasonable one. I am apologizing, my hands are up, and, but at the whole time you're, you're watching the guy, you're creating a fence, you know, it, 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 it's, it's pleading language to get the guy to calm down, but at the same time, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I have to be ready to punch, to, to defend, to create a frame if you suddenly try to tackle me or something like that, right? So uh, that is a very important skill. And if you learn that, you're usually going to be okay on the legal side of self-defense. You know, if somebody comes up to you and is like, Yo, man, what are you looking at? And you just go, pop, and then chain punch him, right? Okay. And then you, you tell the judge, well, he got within my magnetic zone. Yeah. And my Sifu says, when you're in the magnetic zone, you got to go forward and chain punch, right? right? And the judge will be like, you assaulted that guy, right? <laughs> you tell the guy two, three, four times, yo, calm down, don't take another step, I don't want any trouble. And the guy keeps coming, you back away, you back away, you back away, and then, pop. Suddenly, then you do something, and you take some swift, decisive action, or you... You stuff him in a clinch and bring him down to the floor or just give him one solid zinger and hold on to him. Uh, you're usually okay because you exhausted a number of avenues. You, you showed you did not want to fight right away. So most self-defense laws, uh, w- you'd be safe if you did some variation of that. Okay. All right? Like backing away, pleading, not being the aggressor, all that kind of stuff, and only resorting to any kind of physical action once the guy's been warned multiple, multiple times, right? Now, of course, once weapons get involved, this is a different story, but uh, um, we're going to, in the instructor training for Mm -hmm. this year's ITC, Seth is actually going to discuss the problem of weapons and found weapons and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, within the general framework of teaching de-escalation, teaching offense, teaching framing, active frames, passive, uh, sorry, active fences, passive fences, um, you're usually hitting most of what follows under the rubric of self-defense law without 
worrying too much about the slight nuances or how things change a little bit, right? Um, but we will do some instructor training for our guys for that. But um, yeah, the, the general framework has to be there. Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else Man. you got? Love it, love it, love it. Next up, we got JK Merritt, Master G. That's what's up. Okay. Frequenter. Frequenter. Yeah, he comments a lot. <laughs> yeah. This is a comment. Okay. I don't know if it's a question. All right. I speak Kandarin. Kandarin. <laughs> Cantonese and Mandarin. Uh -huh. I actually only know my moves. Keeping in a bucky means 100. Keeping it 100. Okay. Okay. You're the, uh, you're the slang whisperer here. All right. Dre, finite means having an end. Finito would mean an ending in Latin. Finito in Italian would be done, I believe. Yes. It's a great comment. So, again, someone tried to correct uh, your clear misuse of something. Finito. Yeah, I, I, I said that Do to my, my, my lady's mother, who's Puerto Rican, and she was confused, like, huh? Finito, that's not Spanish. That's not Spanish. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you, are you, you making fun of my whole Are you making fun of my... You know I'm no. half Cuban, man. You yeah, got to be careful when you... That's uh, how your mom speaks, right? She got the wow. accent. She my mom does have the accent. Cuban... Yeah, my mom does have the Cuban accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up around accents. Yeah. yeah my father has a German accent. My <laughs> your, mom has a Cuban your uncle, accent. Your uncle's accent is the best, though. The, the my stuff, Cuban uncle? Yeah, Those stories you tell us? I'll tell... I'll, I'll, so, I'll tell, tell one I'll, of the PG ones. There are no PG stories when it's <laughs> with my uncle. Uh, my, uncle my, my uncle George is 97. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. And uh, he's, uh, he, he, you know, like there's a certain age when people are so, like they just don't care anymore. Yeah. No, they but, don't give a... Yeah, they don't give a crap. They'll just say whatever's on their mind. So my uncle George has been that way since he was twenty. Mm. All right. <laughs> so the fact that he's ninety-seven right. just means he's been that way for a really, really yeah. long time, right? Okay. And he says stuff that's pretty damn funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he's and, been saying it to and, you and he'll say and he'll tiny. say yeah he'll say yeah. he'll he say just off the good, yeah. back to okay, it gives people an idea yeah. like the the origins of the kung fu genius. Uh -huh. He he has a bit of a he's a bit of a, a you know. Um, he likes the spicy words. Okay. And uh, when I was a kid, I remember like he picked me up. He had a Cadillac uh -huh. back then. He picked me up from school. And uh, <laughs> I was so excited. I just studied trees in middle school or elementary school. Yeah. And I learned about a weeping willow. All right. <laughs> and I go, hey, Poppy. We all called him Poppy, right? We're driving. Like, hey, Poppy, see that tree over there? There's a weeping willow. He looked at it. He says, it looks like weeping shit. <laughs> I, was like, I was like eight years old. I was like... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, my, my parents said that I called, any time I saw a Mercedes Benz, mm -hmm. I called it a Falky. And they thought it was kind of weird until they realized I was probably in the car with him. Uh, and a Mercedes had probably cut him off. And he said, you know, this effing car here. And I saw that and I thought that Mercedes are all Falkies, right? Okay. Um, but That's I'll tell you this kind of funny story. Um, this is 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, I was in Miami. I was at you know my uncle's house, mm -hmm. and he's watching. He had like a satellite dish, and there's some channel showing a bikini contest in Miami. Oh all right? no! And yeah, he's watching this. Yeah. And uh, you know the the women, the, you know this, the, the very shapely women wearing uh, you know thong bikinis or whatever. Right? Yeah. And then he just says to me, he says, "You know, Alice, when I was your age." You have to move her bathing suit to see her ass. 
but now <laughs> you have to move her ass to see her bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like this amazing, this amazing moment of wisdom yeah. where it was like, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for enlightening us on the differences between what it was like when you were my age yeah. versus me now, right? Yeah. The dilemmas of bathing suits oh, and whether you can see them readily or not, right? So anyway, yeah, this gives you kind of an idea. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, we got, uh, we got time? Yeah, we got time. We got Jerry D. Mann. Jerry D. Mann. Yeah, Jerry D. Mann. Man, talking about an Ollie, talk about a blast from the past. That's right. We were talking about, uh, in the last episode, we were talking yeah. about the knuckles, right? Right. And you're hitting the wall bag, you get those saucy barnacle knuckles. Yep. Just like when you're a skateboarder, you get the, the, the hole in the side of yeah. your shoe. And you're a wrestler, you get the cauliflower ear, right? right. These are the, these are the these signs are the of wear signs. Yeah. that uh, you are a legit and not a poser <laughs> in, your, um, in your chosen in your, field, yeah. right? Uh, one of my jiu-jitsu buddies told me that sometimes the new students like, literally just rub their ears Wow. To, to get the cauliflower ear faster. Poser. Yeah, yeah. It's posing. It's, it's, it's painful. I, I, I did, um, you know, uh, grappling is something I've done on and off since I was a teenager, right? But never, like, really doing it for th that intensely. But there was a summer where I, I did it for about two months. Mm -hmm. um, but regularly. Like, like I mean, I... I, I I do jujitsu regularly, but I do it like once a week privately with Magno. But there was like a, there was a point a few years ago where I was going like every day for a couple of months to a regular class. Oh, right. And dude, my ears were killing me, man. I, I like already started to feel the beginnings of yeah. like that. Like my right ear felt it was on fire all the time because just from the constant grinding and pushing. Yeah. And then it was like you would touch it was really sensitive and then I could feel like the little fluid starting to get puffy yeah, in there, right? But, but I didn't do it long enough where it stuck, but I started to feel it, and that was not pleasant, man. Ooh. It was not pleasant at all. So but it's painful. Shout out cauliflower to ear. cauliflower ears. Yeah. yeah. A funny thing, um, a really good friend of mine is actually responsible for getting me into martial arts at a later age. He's an ex-like judo world champion. Yeah. Um, and he's, I mean, he's like shorter than I am. I've seen him take four people down at a door. Right. Like he's incredible. Right? Yeah. Even now. And he's like probably like in his late fifties uh -huh. and his ears are like perfect. Right. Which I was like, this is weird. And, uh, and him and also the other guy who like was there, like an older Russian guy, same thing. who was like, he was a Sambo world champion mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, his son, however, fucking full cauliflower ears. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's like, he was the only reason he didn't go to the last Olympics is he didn't do enough professional tournaments but he's like number three in america for judo wow and i asked him why like his son had the cauliflowers and he didn't he said because well, back in the day every time he got like caught out and it started swelling he would literally just syringe the blood out. yes 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 wow. and that's why he's yeah they would take it. they would take care of that stuff sometimes if they didn't want to have that or sometimes where even those ear guards yeah those protectors yeah, yeah 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 uh was it rick steiner What's that? Uh, Rick Steiner. He's one of the uh, wrestlers from back in uh, the about, oh, about Scott, Scott Steiner. Steiner's brother. Oh, he's Scott Steiner's brother. Yeah. Oh, nice. He wore the, yeah, the yeah, protector. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, he actually did. I don't know anything so. about fake wrestling, and it's kind of weird when you guys are so into it, especially you didn't even grow up in this country. It's like super <laughs> weird. And like, yeah, I know who Hulk Hogan is and Andre the Giant. You got to get up on, it. Your, on your NWAs and your... 
Yeah. And your, your, e, e, what's it? your e, British Bulldogs. ECWs and WCW, yeah. you know what I mean? You had to get uh-huh. a bowler on that. Scott Steiner was great. Wasn't there someone named like Ricky Steamboat Dragon or something yeah. like that? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> Ricky the yeah. Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> Ravish and Rick Steamboat Rude was Dragon. a personal yeah. favorite. Yeah. Captain Lou Albano. Lex Luthor. I don't know that one. Man. No, uh, IRS. Yeah. Oh, Big wow. Boss Man. Big Boss Man. Man and nerds. Uh, Hacksaw Bunch Jim Duggan. Yeah. Wow. I had the Hacksaw Jim Duggan last week. Oh. Well, last time I was here, I had the Hacksaw Jim Duggan tooth. So I, I know that feeling. You guys are such nerds. Yeah, duh. Let's bring it back to Bruce Lee. Yeah, duh. I feel uncomfortable Did, talking about men in tights. I don't know, man. I, <laughs> That's I, I, the I new think, movie. I don't think Bruce Lee's legit as he was never a pro wrestler. That's right. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I never saw Bruce Lee fight against uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That's true. That's Rocky. Right. So Sylvester Stallone did, though. Yeah. You so. know, uh, uh, I, I was reading, you know that Rock, uh, Sylvester Stallone had like a boxing match with uh, Roberto Duran in the 80s? Just kind of like preparatory for, what? for Rocky and like you know sparring. Yeah, and like just lying, Ro- Roberto Duran just lit, lit him up. Lit him up. <laughs> I don't give a shit if you're the heavyweight champion in the movies. You ain't you ain't even the light. You the lightweight nothing. Whoa, whoa! Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just Roberto Duran piecing him up, man? Footage would be fire. All right. Any more questions? Next up, Tyler Thompson had a Zoo York love the board. Oh, well, we bringing up all the skateboard yeah. references from yeah. the last episode. Yes, That's right. Yeah, Zoo York was a was a big. Uh, I'm fascinated company. by that. That you what? used to skate. You really? Knew, you knew something else besides Kung Fu. That's, that's, I knew lots that's of things, fascinating. Man. Lots of words besides yeah. Kung Fu. <laughs> there's, a, there's a compliment in there trying to creep out <laughs> yeah. that real passive-aggressive. No, it's like, right, right, right. Wow, you actually have depth. Yeah, that's right. Wow, you actually know something outside of your wheelhouse, Kung Fu jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was saying. Yeah, no, but it's it was, totally the, it, it, it was fascinating. The, uh, it was the sentiment of what you were saying. It's fascinating. Why to me. do I do I give the impression of not knowing anything outside my wheelhouse? No, no, you do not. It's just I don't know that much about you. About me as a skateboarder, for as a kung fu genius. Yeah, well, I you mean, know. everyone went through some phases as a yeah. teenager. I remember yeah. it was a skateboard phase, car phase, mm-hmm. but still martial goth arts. Goth phase. Got no, no goth phase. <laughs> no goth phase. <laughs> no, no, no. No goth phase. No, 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 no. Almost got you there. Oh, yeah, no, totally no. got that. Oh, no, wait. Hang on. I lived in Seattle, man. You, you couldn't, uh, you, 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 like <laughs> those groups, like grunge and goth and yeah. uh, what are the other ones? The, uh, what's, what's the ones opposite goth? E- emo, emo. emo yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all these, like, no, the, all that stuff was like church and state in Seattle. It was so clicky. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you couldn't, you would need a special pass to be a skateboarder and like an emo. Like, you would oh, need to pass at least three well, board you, exams. It, it, back in those days, if you're a skateboarder, you listen to more like kind of hardcore stuff. Uh, like, or like sick of it all, or like kind of minor threat, maybe. Minor like, threat, you know, yeah. We listen to that kind of stuff. Bad religion. Bad, yeah, bad religion. Yeah, Pennywise. Yeah, you know all that kind mean? of stuff. Yeah. 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 That, yeah that but was, I also listened to hip hop. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, East Coast hip hop, uh, the East Coast skateboarders listen to hip hop, and so that was a big thing. Yeah, Wu Tang was really big at that time for skateboarders. So, skateboarders, yeah, yeah, Wu-Tang. I was uh, Cypress I, Hill too. Yeah, okay. yeah. Although I was a bit of a straight edger in high school, so like mm. I wasn't really into, I wasn't really into the Cypress Hill message. If you, <laughs> if you could catch my drift. You see, the, yeah. the, the joys of living in England is that that all kind of ended up under the same umbrella as alternative. 
Uh-huh. So like you could be a grunge kid and listen to really good hip hop and vice versa. Right. So mm-hmm. like you go out to all of the nightclubs back then when I was like 16, 17 and it would be everything and it was awesome. And then after Kurt Cobain died, it became Britpop and I was like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, then You're really cool. into like Oasis, aren't you? Uh, I'd rather shoot myself in the face. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I totally imagined you, you for like a... You would have pegged him as an oasis? Yeah, yeah. you, you kind yeah. of like, kind of strike me as a wonder wall type dude. How yeah. about you guys? <laughs> yourself? <laughs> yeah. No. No? Absolutely not. Ooh. Okay. Oasis. I've never liked them. Never liked Blur. Do you, have, do you have, stuff do you have a awful. poster of your new king on your wall? <laughs> um, well, if by the new king, I would say... No, I don't. I'm not talking about that kid who plays Elvis in the new movie either. I'm talking about your king. No, I still have a poster of Trent Reznor on my wall, so yes. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one more question? Yeah. Google. Oh, this is from Kung Fu Curbs. Kung Fu Curbs. Google seems to push Mandarin on Translate and not Cantonese. Why? Oh, what are your recommendations for online Cantonese translators, resources, etc.? Ooh, everyone wants to learn Cantonese. Uh, That's right. It's a, it's a difficult language. From you, apparently. It's a difficult language, man. Yeah. Uh, you have to be serious about it. And you're not going to get a lot of help from many Cantonese speakers because they, they don't know how to transcribe Cantonese. Mm. So if they try to tell you how to pronounce something, they don't know, like... The six tones, they can't tell you like, oh, this is a third tone. This is a fifth tone. They'll be like, oh, no, it sounds something like this. It's very unhelpful. So um, mm, there are a couple apps that are really good. Um, There's a couple Cantonese apps for... You got to go for Kandarin, though. No Kandarin. All right. (laughs) What about Mantonese? Mantonese. (laughs) Mantonese. (laughs) Mantonese and Kandarin. These are great. Um, yeah, so like there are a bunch of Cantonese apps where they have like uh, uh, like word books where you can get vocabulary and stuff. And uh, there's a really good course, uh, Teach Yourself Cantonese or Learn Cantonese on Spotify. Okay. Uh, that one is pretty good. Um, and there's, there's a lot of uh, YouTube channels that uh, have free Cantonese resources, uh, Learn mm. Cantonese, all sorts of stuff. There's uh, Sue, Sue Marguerite on, uh, she's got like, um, she's a an American who lived in Hong Kong and she speaks Cantonese and she has a really good channel where she teaches like step-by-step vocabulary, different situations, uh, um, you know, grammar, stuff like that. She's really good. Um, Yeah. So there's stuff online. Sue. Sue Marguerite. Uh, Her her page is a Cantonese corner, Cantonese corner Uh. on YouTube. Yeah. She's really good. Um, And uh, there is a great podcast from, you know, 15 years ago, almost now, uh, called Naked Cantonese. Uh, you can get it on like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, on like Apple Podcasts or whatever. And the the woman, I forget her name. She's Norwegian, I think. Yeah. Swedish or Norwegian. Naked? No. And she uh, lived in Hong Kong. So she's like this old, like older white woman uh-huh. from Europe who All speaks right. pitch perfect Cantonese. Wow. And she's really funny because she has a, uh, uh, she does it with a, like a partner, this other female and then every episode they do like in the bar and then she'll just say like all the stuff you need to know like if you're in a bar how to order a beer that kind of stuff and then she cool. even did an episode called in the brothel <laughs> <laughs> and so she's she's really she's really funny so naked naked cantonese i think there's about <clears throat> 20 episodes or something of that it was shot back like in 2009 you can listen to those they're pretty short but mm-hmm. really good so there are a lot of uh 
resources like that. In terms of uh, translating, yeah, the Google has a bit of a bias towards mainland Chinese results and Mandarin results. But when you translate stuff, it's important to understand there's no difference between written uh, Mandarin and Cantonese in theory. Okay, the Chinese characters are the same. Wow. Okay, that's why in the old days, someone from northern China could write a letter to someone in southern China. It was the same writing, but they could not speak face to face, but they could read the letter. You understand? Um, because when you write in formal Chinese, that's the same. It's just that in Mandarin, you would pronounce it, those characters with a Mandarin pronunciation. In Cantonese, you would pronounce those it's same like characters. It's like me writing a letter to Mikey Dean if he was still out in Great Britain. Right. And he's reading it with his pirate English. And I'm reading it in regular English. Jesus' so is English. In, in, in hip-hop slang. Yeah, in hip-hop slang. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly like that. It's, it's, it, that. Actually, I could not come with a better equivalent for that situation. <laughs> Pirate English, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> Pirate English. Arrgh, matey. I yeah. love his English. Yeah, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's so, you know what's so great is how condescending that comes. I love his English. He sounds like a pirate, that little... With his funny fake English. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to waste the perfect comeback on you on this podcast. Yeah. But don't no. worry, it's coming. No, it's coming. <laughs> it's yeah. coming when you least expect yeah, it. Yes. So yeah, so so people always say like uh, when stuff gets translated into Chinese characters, they go, "Oh, is this Mandarin or Cantonese?" Uh, no, the characters are the same in Chinese. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of when you read that. Do you read that using the Mandarin pronunciation or the Cantonese one? Now, having said that. It's not entirely true that they're exactly the same because there are a couple um, mitigating facts that, that make that statement impossible uh, to be true as is. One, in mainland China, they have simplified characters now, which they took the more complicated characters and dumbed them down for the sake of literacy. Mm. <laughs> Just kidding. For the sake of having to rewrite all the books yeah. and, and so that they could approve what's written in all the books. They have Ooh. to rewrite everything in the new characters. Leaving they can also change stuff and edit stuff and also people who only know the new simplified characters cannot read old traditional texts so um yeah so i mean while there's a friendly reason why mainland china was so kind in creating these simplified characters to improve oh, so literacy nice really what they did it's 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 so that the wow. population could not read the older books anymore and read their proper history because they wouldn't understand many of those characters so, uh, so yeah, so you have the, the, also the issue of the simplified versus the traditional. Um, and then also in Hong Kong, you have a lot of Canto slang, and many of those slang words have their own characters, which a Mandarin speaker wouldn't be able to recognize. So there's a little bit of nuance, but for the most part, the Chinese characters are just Chinese, and they're pronounced in different, uh, in different ways. So anyway, hmm. well, that is it for today. That's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any questions you want me to answer on a future episode of the KFG podcast, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seekung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Alright, you ready, man? You ready, Dre? You ready, Dre? Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Oh, no, we didn't clap. 
Oh, here we go. All right, here's a clap. One, two, three, See, clap. clap. Right, not a chance. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm... I'm still trying to get a banger. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yet. doing well All at right. the moment. Well, <laughs> All right, peoples. All right, babies. All right, people. Okay, people. All right, man. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius. Done. Yay. Well, yay.